the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's I on Real Estate on AM 970. The answer. This is I on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of I on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning and welcome back to Ion Real Estate. With concerns about inflation, upcoming elections, news in Russia, saber rattling in China, there are many issues affecting our economy and our real estate market. Hi, I'm Stephen Ebert, attorney with the law firm of Casson and Casson, uh, hosting today. Unfortunately, Dottie is out sick, but she'll be back next week. And I'm so pleased to be with my colleague, Tom Drew from Citizens Bank. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning, Stephen. So happy to be here with you and uh, and uh, and this beautiful Saturday morning. And uh, again, my name is Tom Drew. I'm the regional uh, vice president for Citizens Bank for Metro New York, and I'm like very excited to be here today and talk about uh, real estate, mortgage, and everything else that uh, you know is important to people. So uh, glad to be here, Tom. Thank you so much for joining. And you know, it's interesting uh, the finance side on your end. The legal side on my end, we interact a lot with each other just in trying to get a transaction from beginning to end. Uh, one of the things, of course, I'd like to speak with you about is we're in such a rapidly moving time period. Is What are you seeing happening just this past week alone? Yeah, it was another uh, week I would call. This was like whipsaw week where we saw, I mean, mortgage rates moving up. And back down and back up again, um, and it's really uh, it's a it's a tale of the tape, you know, as what's going on in the market is dramatically impacting uh, mortgages and everything else, right? So we had a, a big uh, consumer price index print that kind of roiled the markets a little bit, kind of sent them down, and then um, you know surprisingly kind of came shooting right back up. So it's one of those weeks where you had to be buckled in <laughs> for the ride. Um, and certainly uh, people who are looking for homes and trying to figure out what's the best mortgage option for them are, uh, are definitely paying attention to the headlines. And, um, you know, look, it's, it's something that uh, is it's much more top of mind than ever before, right? With mortgage rates uh, going near 7%, uh, people are really paying attention to how all these things impact each other like never before. You know, Tom, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, and, and there is a lot going on. And, you know, one of the things I want to do, we'll talk about how we sort of work together to try to get things right, because when you're in an environment, when things are moving quickly, where rates are going up and rates are going down, really timing things and how getting the right information from the bank to make sure things are right on the contract is top of mind. So for our listeners, we're going to talk about that sort of strategy and cooperation 
But a couple of things I want to get cleared up with you, Tom. You know, one of the things that I think can, confuses a lot of, you know, the consumers out there is actually the rate calculation and what the rates are. Because they hear all sorts of number. They hear a number in the fives, and they hear a number in the sixes, and now maybe it's 7%, and there's national numbers and local numbers. If you can just maybe give a little bit of guidance on, you know, where things are, why they might be hearing some different numbers, and maybe things to look for, for example, not just, um, you know, in some of the basic news, but for example, sometimes maybe they're hearing pricing with some points. If you can just give a little more details to help everyone get through the, the, the cloud and the fog in getting these interest rates. Yeah, so there is a tremendous amount of information out there. That's for sure, Stephen. Uh, but I think like real estate, uh, mortgage financing is local too, right? Uh, so many banks are uh, focused on a specific region. Uh, like here in New York, uh, we have you know, several competitors, and each bank sort of has its approach to how they um, uh, offer different products to consumers in the marketplace. But what most people hear are the national averages, right, that come out from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and that's generally for financing homes um, up to a certain amount. And then, of course, banks have their own products, which go above the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac limits, and sort of banks will set their own pricing on that depending on what they're willing to put on their balance sheet. So um, I, I think it's really important for consumers to understand the difference between those two products or, or, or two uh, sort of uh, avenues that you could take depending on the, the purchase price of the home. And um, what we're seeing is um, because rates have moved up so much so quickly, uh, even Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are, you know, they're hesitant to uh, – to price loans without points, right? Um, they're saying, hey, you know, we'll give you a, say, a rate at 6%, but you're going to pay several discount points up front to get there. Uh, what that means is, hey, you know, a discount point is 1% of the loan amount. So that can add up at closing, right? You have other closing costs that come into play. So you start paying several points, you can wind up laying out a lot of, a lot of money. And what I try to, you know, advise um, my clients and friends and, just other people uh, that work in, in finance, and especially at Citizens, we kind of talk about the different options. And and historically, what people wind up doing is they, they finance for 30 years, right? Uh, but they never actually see that loan through to the end, right? After seven plus years, seven between seven and eight years, they're always either refinancing that loan or, you know, selling that house and buying another one, Um but, you know, people just tend to go with, hey, I'll just take the 30-year fix because uh, I, I don't want to have to think about it. But it, in many cases, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, consumers need to be aware of as well. So um, it, there's a lot that goes into it. It's just not as simple as, hey, here's the rate this week. Um, I think there's just everyone needs to kind of sit down and take the time to speak to somebody and look at all their options, right? And not just maybe the one option that the lender's trying to sell them, just like look at, you know, fixed option, adjustable rate option, uh, in some cases, uh, interest only option that may work for you as well. So all those things should be on the table and all those things should be up for discussion so that you're as educated as, uh, as best as possible when going into a transaction. I think that's a great point, Tom. I think the education component that you mentioned, having a loan officer 
that you have a rapport with as opposed to I've seen the sort of toll-free number you call into sort of an, an anonymous call bank for a loan. I've seen make the difference. You know, one of the things that I also notice, and when we're talking about points, and this is very important, you know, it's pros and cons on things, right? So for, for our listeners who are deciding on getting a mortgage, should they pay points or not, you know, I've heard some people say over the years, oh, I never pay points. You know, points, in my opinion, are neither good nor bad. The question is, what are you getting for it? And typically what you're getting for it, and as Tom mentioned, one point is equal to 1% of the loan amount, and it is something that you pay one time at closing, and what you should be getting for that is a lower interest rate and a lower monthly payment for so long as you keep the loan. So one of the important things I remind clients is that when you're considering buying points, and Tom made a great point that a lot of people get a 30-year loan, but they don't keep the loan or the property for 30 years, you have to ask yourself, how long am I keeping the property? So if, for example, I'm paying a $5,000 fee up front, but I'm saving $100 a month, that's $1,200 a year, you have to keep it, the property, for a number of years for the points to make sense. Now, there's a little bit more to the analysis. Points are considered under the law a prepaid finance charge. What that means is that points are generally tax deductible the same way interest payments on your mortgage that you pay throughout the life of the loan. So, again, to be clear, usually for most borrowers, they can deduct the points that they pay at closing in that tax year. So they're getting that deduction up front. But keep in mind, that's limited to the extent you've been able to deduct regular ordinary course interest payments on your monthly mortgage payments throughout the loan. So it's a complicated question about liquidity that you have, how long you're going to keep the loan, and also what is your personal tax picture to get that tax deduction and how valuable and putting that all together. But Tom, I wanna bring up one other point. And I wanna talk about qualifying for a loan because a lot of, we're in a, in a time in the market where rates have been moving rapidly. And what does that mean for people who might be borderline and qualifying and maybe using points to qualify if you wanna talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, so I think if you haven't uh, reconnected with your loan officer in a while, maybe you're pre-approved and you're still looking, it might make sense, really good sense to reconnect and say, hey, am I still okay based on where rates are today, right? Because even uh, about a 1% jump in interest rates uh, reduces your buying power by about 10% on a, a, an 80% finance property. So that's a, that's a pretty big impact um, for a lot of people. So I would say, uh, you know, just recalculate those numbers, take a look at it, make sure uh, the measure that we use to see if somebody qualifies for payment is the income ratio, right? Take a look at your gross income and how much debt you're carrying, including the mortgage. And once that starts to approach 45% of your gross income, the debt to income ratio, that that's kind of the danger zone, right? That's the, that's the area where there's a lot of concern about whether or not um, you can afford that payment every month, right? That particular home. 
So what does that mean? Tom, hey, if I can interrupt for one quick second, one yeah. quick second, I apologize if I can interrupt. In that 45% debt to income, are you talking only about your mortgage payment or are you including car payments, credit card payments on debt that you're carrying? What goes into that 45%? Sure. Um, you're right. It's not just the mortgage payments, right? It's, it's, it's beyond the principal interest taxes and insurance of the home. That includes credit card payments, super payments, car loans, um, really any uh, monthly obligation that requires um, that to be reported to the credit bureaus. Uh, that's basically what goes into your debt to income calculation. So when you're taking all that, right, and you're at 45%, just think about it, because out of your gross income, what, what does the government take, right? They take federal taxes. You pay, you know, state taxes if you live in a state where they collect state income taxes. And you have to eat, right? So, um, you know, so basically the bank is going to limit uh, how much they're willing to lend you based on looking at all that. And it's something that when rates were 3%, um, it was maybe less of a concern for folks, right? Because the mortgage payments were, were fairly low. But now that we've gone multiples above that, um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a concern that people really need to pay attention to that. So if you haven't taken a look, even in the last month, um, it's probably a good idea to have somebody look at that again. And just to make sure you look, you're shopping in the right uh, price range, right? And and what's different about every single house, Stephen? Right? You have taxes are different, right? Um, sometimes even your homeowner's insurance, especially if you're living in a property that's close to the water. So all of those things need to be fast. Absolutely, um, and, and you know, just to add on top of that, this. This now, so Tom, this now feeds back into how we're doing the contract negotiation. So now I want to take, I want to move from the buyer borrower for a second to our sellers. So all of a sudden now I'm a seller. I have my property in the market and I've just realized that my pool of buyers have shrunk, right? If rates have gone up, by definition, there are fewer people who can afford to buy the property I'm trying to sell. So now all of a sudden as a seller, I have a little bit of a dilemma. How do I make sure that there's sufficient demand for my property so I can sell it to make sure it's in alignment for the pool of buyers who would be the likely buyers for this type of property? So this is where I've seen also when we have a smart team of people working together, use different techniques. So for example, Tom, as you mentioned, if rates go up 1%, you lose about 10% of your buying power on, on a typical transaction when a borrower is borrowing 80%, which is, I would say, the most common situation. People put 20% down and finance 80%. Um, so talking about that scenario for a second, all of a sudden now, that's going to put pressures on the seller to lower the price. But one of the tricks that we recommend to consider, and obviously you got to check the numbers in the specific case, is having that buyer maybe getting a point to lower their interest rate to be more affordable, but then the seller giving an offsetting credit to effectively pay for that. And what's happening is when you do that, you're paying as a seller a credit that's only 1% of the loan amount. Right. So think about this. It's one percent 
of what is typically 80% of the purchase price to help counter the potential risk of a much lower offer. So there are scenarios in which buyers and sellers can work together in a way in which it helps keep the property affordable, but at a lower cost to the seller than just a price cut. So I think it's very important that even if you're a seller, not a buyer right now, you're hearing about some of these techniques that are out there because as a seller, you care about the process that your potential buyer has to go through to make the deal a success. Now, Tom, would there be any issue from the bank with a seller giving a credit to a buyer to offset the cost of a point on a loan? How would that work? And what's the way to design that to make you as a lender happy for that scenario? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And honestly, uh, it feeds into, you know, what's important to the buyer, right? Is their monthly payment, right? So um, it's, it's a great way to, to leverage, uh, you know, payment in a transaction, right? To have the seller offer to, to buy down the interest rate for the, for the buyer. And basically it's, you know, it has to be written into the contract, right? That there's a, a credit at closing uh, to be applied to closing costs. Um, there are limitations to it um, with all, you know, seller contributions, but in a typical transaction, one point is not anywhere near what those limitations are. Uh, what the seller can contribute at closing to closing costs. So that's not a concern. Um, but it does um, it does take the focus off of price, right, which is um, sometimes what the only thing people focus on in transactions, right? They're, and we try to show them, hey, look, you know, at, at let's just use some, some numbers here. At 500000 um, you know, here's what you price. Here's what you're paying every month at 7%. Even if you were to get the house for four ninety at seven percent, here's what your payment is. But at five hundred, and the seller is willing to pay four thousand towards, you know, your financing, the payment is actually you know lower than if you got the house say at four ninety, right? So it takes mm-hmm. the focus off of price and it focuses on monthly payment. Which at the end of the day, that's that's you know, you're buying a home. You know, there's a there's a saying. You know, you. You marry home, you date your rate, right? So in this case, you know, we're just going to say, hey, this is the home, this is the home you want, right? And and the, the rate is going to be uh, better because the seller is willing to do this for you. And look and say, hey, down the road when rates come down, you can always you know refinance it. So um, that's a great and that's and a that's, very important does, point. Which we're, if I can, say, we're going to and for our listeners, we're going to get a little bit more about that. Is how do you smartly Think about refinancing in your plan, you know, when um, with with an rising rate environment, because I think your analogy is very apt about dating and marriage. And when that same philosophy, if you're going to go in and get married, you're already not thinking about something else down the road. So psychologically, it's a little bit tough for someone to say, I'm buying a home with a mortgage with the idea that probably in about a year from now, I'm going to refinance out of that. It's a little bit of an odd concept. And I definitely want to talk to you about that um, in in just a moment. But I want to mention one other point before uh, I forget how this all translates in for people working on co-op transactions and those purchases and sales. So we're coming up to a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about, again, how is all these strategies work when you're doing a co-op transaction and also thinking about strategies for that refinance loan 
six months to two years down the road for a better payment. You're listening to Ion Real Estate with Tom Drew from Citizens Bank and Stephen Ebert from the law firm of Casson and Casson. We'll be I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're speaking another language, like magic. I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. 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 Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Hi, it's Joe Piscopo. You know I love performing at the Saccone Theater at Bergen Community College in Paramus. So I'm bringing my band and heading back there on Friday, October 21st for an unbelievable show. A lot of comedy, some stories, a great tribute to Mr. Sinatra. This is a night you can't miss. It begins at 6 p.m. in a luxury tent right in front of the theater with a full dinner complete with signature dishes from Frank Sinatra's favorite restaurant, Patsy's, and owner and chef Sal Scagnamillo. You know what's really great? We'll be raising money for scholarships at Bergen Community College, a great school. You get valet parking, dinner, wine, the show, everything for one unbelievable price, 125 bucks. The Saccone Theater's an intimate venue that will sell out fast, so get your tickets now at tickets.bergen.edu. That's tickets.bergen.edu. tickets.bergen.edu or call 201-447-7428. I'll see you there. The following is a paid political announcement. Sunday mornings just got a lot more interesting. Be sure to tune into Frankly Speaking with Frank Palata, Republican House candidate for U.S. Congress representing New Jersey's 5th District. Frank will be discussing the issues of the day that affect everyone. The economy, crime, veterans affairs, seniors, border security, and much, much more. Don't miss it. Frankly Speaking, Sunday mornings at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. This is Frank Palata, and I approve this message. Keep your body moving with powerful nutrients to support your joints and overall mobility. Invite Health is here to save the day and your body with the best-selling Cartilage HX. Cartilage HX helps to maintain the health of your cartilage and promotes flexibility and mobility. This powerful formulation provides a patented form of type 2 collagen called UC2 that has been shown in clinical studies to promote joint comfort and strong, healthy bones. Just listen to what some Invite Health customers in the tri-state area are saying about Cartilage HX. I had a problem with my left knee and had to take baby steps going up the stairs. I'm almost normal now. Miracle! When I climb the stairs, my knees no longer hurt. Stay active with the help of Cartilage HX. Buy one bottle, get the other free, plus free shipping today. Call 800-673-2345 now to order. Again, that's 800-673-2345. 800-673-2345. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Who doesn't love a great dry-aged ribeye steak or a scrumptious, juicy leg of lamb? You know, cooked to perfection the way a fine restaurant serves it. You can't seem to match that great flavor of a fine restaurant steak at home, can you? Well, now you can. It starts with the quality of the cut. The answer is clear. Pat LaFreda Meat Purveyors, operating in the New York, New Jersey area, supplying fine restaurants for 100 years. LaFreda supplies over 60 
1,600 fine restaurants daily with flawless perfection. Lafreda serves the country's best chefs and restaurants. You can now have all the same cuts of beef, pork, and poultry delivered directly to your home from an iconic meat purveyor operating since 1922. Visit them at lafreda.com and try America's best meat. L-A-F-R-I-E-D-A.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate. Uh, unfortunately, Dottie is not with, with us this week, but she'll be back next week. I'm attorney Stephen Ebert from the New York-based national law firm of Casson and Casson, and I'm pleased to be joined with my colleague Tom Drew, regional manager for Citizens Bank, a national lender for all your real estate needs throughout the country. You know, Tom, before the break, we were talking about a number of things, and I want to head back for a second to interest-only loans. Now, a lot of times people do get nervous when they hear the concept of interest-only loan because when are they paying down the principal? How are they growing their equity? But can you talk a little about how they work, both interest-only periods and the amortization period, and what are some good strategies that you found clients and borrowers have used them successfully? Yeah, Stephen, so thanks. That's, um, it's something that uh, interest-only loans we're seeing happen much more frequently than, say, just even uh, six to 12 months ago. But it is a great option uh, for those people who really take the time to understand the product, and that's something that we make sure they understand um, you know, thoroughly and how the whole process works. So interest-only loans are mainly available on adjustable rate mortgages, so on your five-year arm, your seven-year arm, or 10-year arm, and that's where rates are fixed for the first five years, first seven years, or first 10 years based on a 30-year amortization. Um, and so basically a lot of those products have, you know, during the fixed period is when they have the interest-only option, uh, so either five, seven, or 10 years of interest-only. And basically when, you know, the payment comes every month, it's just the interest owed on the, on the total principal balance. Now, let's say you were to pay something above and beyond the, the interest that's owed that month. That money does, the additional funds do go directly towards principal, and the loan will recast um, for the following month's payment. So your interest payment would actually drop the next month, um, just like a regular amortizing loan would, right? You know, when you amortize a loan, you're making a principal payment and an interest payment. So very, very important point for our listeners. And this is one of the key differences that you will see in a mortgage loan that is amortized, and meaning amortized means that you're paying principal and interest. And when you hear the phrase fully amortized, that means you're paying the principal and interest at such a level so that when the loan ends, it's fully paid off. There's no big lump sum at the end versus an interest-only loan. As Tom rightly mentioned, when you make a payment, a principal payment, beyond the minimum interest during that interest period, only period of the loan, you owe less money, and your next monthly payment will automatically be lower because now you owe less money. That is a recast. When you are having an amortized loan where you're paying principal and interest, generally speaking, that payment schedule is set so that if you pay extra principal, your monthly payment 
assuming it's a fixed rate loan and the rate doesn't change, won't go down. Rather, instead of having a 30-year loan, your loan will be paid off, let's say, in 28 years. So very important to understand how the products can make a difference of how you have a lower payment, but how you can catch up and pay down principal very differently. Now, Tom, one of the things that I've been reading about where it's sort of people are trying to find that magic middle and lending institutions are all trying to find the right products that suit consumers is instead of having the stark difference between interest only or a 15-year or a 30-year amortization, reading about how some institutions are now considering or are in fact offering 40-year amortization loans, if you want to talk about that and how that would work for customers. Sure. Well, the 40-year amortization, um, there are actually 40-year fixed mortgages as well out there. So it's all for the benefit of a of a lower payment, but you're certainly going to pay a lot more interest over the 40 years than you would, say, on a 30-year mortgage. Uh, but again, it's, you know, some people are, are just like, hey, I want to I wanna live in this home. I want my payment to be affordable. And I'm not going to be so concerned uh, about, you know, paying off the loan as I am about having, you know, a place to live that, that works for me. Right. And so all those things are options out there. And I tell people, um, you know, if you're, if you're just going to focus on the mortgage and not where you're living, you're probably not going to be very happy in the end. Right. Uh, So location is important. School is important. All those things are important and your mortgage is too. It has to work for you. Right. So, I think all those different options uh, allow people to have some flexibility in their financing and with the understanding that, you know, hey, with where inflation is today, uh, you need to have some flexibility in your monthly payment, right? You can't just be, you know, the, that old saying, house poor, right? You know, um, Abs- yeah, I, 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 I've spoken to yeah, people absolutely. who just, you know, and, 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 and I was- do is live for their house, right? So It's so true. And, and to that point, to let listeners know, in the next hour, we're exactly going to discuss about what we're seeing in the rental market, because what really this is about, and I, and I think you really hit the nail on the head with this, Tom, is it's not necessarily about finding the totally perfect situation, because you can never get a perfect situation, um, but rather it's finding out, am I making the best choice that's better than my next best alternative? And that's really what we're talking about here. Now, I want to take a, uh, you know, take a moment to discuss what this means really for co-ops. If I'm actually looking at purchasing a co-op and I have a nice menu of different financial products, 15-year, 30-year, even 40-year, interest only versus fully amortized, fixed rate versus arms, adjustable rate mortgages, what does that mean if I'm a buyer of a co-op apartment? Because for those of you who are not familiar with co-ops, it's a great alternative. They have lower closing costs for the acquisition, but it's subject to co-op board approval. And co-op boards are allowed to say yes or no to any transaction as long as they don't violate fair housing. And so now all of a sudden, what might be okay for your lender may not be okay for your co-op board. And this is where, as a seller... You want to be very careful because if you sign a contract with a buyer and then all of a sudden 
you're waiting 30 days to get appraisals and the commitment letter from the bank, and then the buyer submits their board application, and maybe you're waiting another month, you're now two months into a transaction, and maybe the co-op board turns down your transaction because they feel that the buyer is being, quote, financially too creative for them. So it's very important to know at the outset, if you're selling a property, or of course, if you're buying too, nobody wants to waste their time, is how does the co-op board look at these products? And I can tell you in my experience that some boards only want to have a fully amortized loan. Some prefer to see a fixed loan, and that could have an impact for someone. Or even if the board is flexible, what they might do is their own repayment calculation, right? The bank might say, we're very happy to give a loan to this borrower on an adjustable loan or an interest-only loan. But what the board might do is convert the calculation as if they borrow on a 30-year fixed loan, which would be a higher monthly payment. So very important that for anyone looking to list a co-op apartment or anyone looking to buy, they consult with their attorney, have a professional real estate agent to ask those detailed questions to make sure they have a successful transaction when they're buying, looking to buy that co-op. Now, Tom, I want to go back to a topic we were alluding to a little while ago. And this is when you're talking about the dating and marriage that is finding and buying real estate. You know, when you go in with that philosophy, you're looking to stay the course and not have a change. So it's very hard psychologically for someone to say, I'm going to buy this property with mortgage number one with the idea that within a year, I'm going to get a different mortgage. But tell me about some of the successful strategies that you've worked with with borrowers exactly dealing with this issue of how to get into the home and how to smartly stay in the home. You know, so over the, over the years, uh, 20 plus years of, of doing this, um, I can tell you that I've probably I've refinanced the same borrower six or seven times on the same house, right? So, um, and it's just based on you know rates going down or things changing in their life, you know, wanting to do renovations, wanting to change. So there are many different reasons why somebody would refinance, but one of the main ones is hey, rates are lower uh, than what you currently have, and you work out what the potential savings are, and you do the calculation of, hey, what does it cost to refinance? Um, what, are, what are my monthly changes in payments or the, the lower payment? And you do the math, and if, it, if it's in you know three to four years, it pays off, and you're going to be in the house for a while, it makes sense. And I, I try to, to make it like just it's as, as simple as that, right? It's not a difficult calculation. Just we'll just take Tom, a look we're at coming it up to a hard break. We're gonna we're gonna continue this topic after the break and talk about how refinancing ties into where also the economy and interest rates are going. Again, you're listening to Tom Drew from Citizens Bank and Stephen Ebert from Casson & Casson. We're here on Ion Real Estate. A 5-0 start for the first time since 87, and the Orange host their biggest game in two decades, Saturday against NC State. Join us for the Orange and Wolf Pack at 3.30, pregame 2.30 on AM 970, The Answer, New York's home for Syracuse football. 
Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and let me tell you, my whole life I have had a, a tremendous love for Times Square. It's one of the reasons I started hosting a Times Square Tuesday segment for news from the crossroads of the world. In collaboration with Tom Harris, president of the Times Square Alliance, we have a special two-hour Times Square show on Times Square Tuesday, the 18th of October at 6 p.m. live from Times Square. We'll be right there at the bottom of the red steps. We will be interviewing several fabulous restaurant owners in Times Square, which is an international dining destination and includes Restaurant Row on 46th Street. Whether it's pre- or post-theater, a late-night snack or lunch, Times Square has so much to offer. So stay tuned for our special show on Tuesday, October the 18th, 6 to 8 p.m. And folks, come hungry. MyPillow is having their biggest bed sheet sale ever. The MyPillow Percale sheets are available in a variety of colors and all sizes. Now on sale, for example, the queen size, regular price $89.98, now only $39.98 with your promo code. Order now, as there is a very limited supply. The MyPillow Percale sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They have deep pockets to fit over any mattress. The MyPillow Percale sheets come with a 10-year warranty and a six 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code AM970 to receive the MyPillow percale sheets for as low as $29.98. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. That's 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. It's a look at today's most compelling stories and provides responses from key conservatives in media and politics. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Want more? AM 970 The Answer? Go to am970theanswer.com to listen live. Tune in to podcasts from the shows you missed anytime you want. Learn more about our advertisers. Join the AM 970 Fan Club and sign up for events. am970theanswer.com Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com Hi there, advertiser. You've been flirting with all those social platforms lately, haven't you? Paying for every click? That can add up. What you need is a more rewarding relationship. You need me, New York City Radio. I'm the opposite of high maintenance. Some people even call me cheap, just not to my face. New York City Radio, the cheap, sorry, cost-effective way to get your ads heard by over 16 million New Yorkers every week. Visit nycradioads.com to meet the media channel you'll fall in love with. Sponsored by New York City Radio Stations. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate. Again, I'm Stephen Ebert, attorney with the law firm of Casson & Casson. I'm joined with Tom Drew of Citizens Bank, a national mortgage lender and a full depository bank. 
So, Tom, I know just looking at where we are in the time and the show is always goes by quickly. Wanted to talk a little bit about some of the national and sort of global economic trends going on. Um, there's a lot of projections as to how much the Federal Reserve might increase the Fed funds rate. They've made some increases, talk of another 75, maybe even 125 basis points at a couple of different times over the next, you know, six to 12 months. What, what are some of the projections that you're seeing from economists at the bank? Yeah, Stephen. So uh, especially after this week's uh, CPI report, which came in hotter than uh, they were expecting, or I guess maybe they were hoping, um, you know, the 75 basis point hike on the next meeting is pretty much baked in. Um, and I would not be surprised. And from what I've heard for some of, uh, you know, the people that pay attention to these trends is that we would see, uh, you know, at least another 75 basis points that could be spread out over 50, then 25. Uh, but, you know, the Fed really is, um, their hands are tied in terms of what they can do to slow down inflation. And the only thing they can do is really, um, slow down demand, right? And that's what the, the, the rates that are moving up so quickly is trying to just take the steam out of uh, demand. And it's unfortunate that that's the only thing that's at work right now. And the supply chain just doesn't seem to, to get the attention that it really needs uh, to help resolve it, because that's really um, the most pressing issue, right? It's why cost of everything has gone up such so dramatically is uh, the lack of supply in you know, the things that people need every day, right? Uh, and so it's, it's, I, I, it's a very stressful I agree with you. You know, I, I agree with yeah. you, Tom. And, and, I, and I'll tell you what I'm concerned, if I can make the analogy to a car on a freeway, you're driving along the freeway, and all of a sudden you have to hit the brake because you're gonna, you don't want to slam into the car in front of you that slowed down. But if you slam on the brake too fast, you're going to get rear-ended. And, and that's my concern right now with what the Federal Reserve is doing. I get that they have to increase rates. I agree with that in concept. But what my fear is that they're going to overdo it, and then now they're going to create other problems. And, you know, it's interesting as an observer to this, there's sort of a couple of ways in which you can get inflation under control, and one of them is also spending. And I feel that we're having conflicting policies between the Federal Reserve and the federal government. Otherwise, if you're going to increase rates to slow down demand, another way is to decrease spending. And we're not really seeing government spending decrease. And, and that's really a concern that's out there. And I think the problem is that we're using one tool when we have not a, a full arsenal, but we definitely have multiple tools that can be used. And I think what we're seeing in this regard um, is both good and bad news, is we've had a very strong dollar. So for anyone who's looking to go on vacation right now, now's a great time to travel abroad because currencies like the British pound, the euro, and others are anywhere between about 15 to 20 percent weaker compared to the dollar. So that increases our buying power if you're traveling abroad. But if international people are trying to do transactions in the U.S., the cost of them to buy dollars to do a transaction have gone up 10, 15, 20 percent, depending upon the currency in the country. So what that also means 
it's more expensive for foreign nationals to buy here. So when we look at a market like New York City, where we have both a local, a national, but also an international base of owners and buyers, you know, that could also be a negative for international buyers of U.S. real estate. So it's something to consider and something to keep in mind, depending upon if you're a seller, where in the market you are. Are you in sort of more of a first-time uh, home buyer house in the suburbs or maybe a trophy property in the city? Depending upon what it is, that's another piece of the strategy uh, to keep in mind. Uh, Tom, any other well, yeah. economic news? To my, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Yeah, sure. No, I was just going to say nothing happens in a vacuum, Stephen, right? So, um, you know, when you they kind of do whatever they can on the one side of the equation, it, it sometimes has uh, multiple variables get affected on the other. I mean, just take a look at what happened uh, over in England this past week, right? That was uh, a real uh, roller coaster ride, right, where they were concerned that all these pension funds were going to go bankrupt over some of the moves they were making over there. Um, so it's delicate, right, to to put it mildly. Um, and people got fired. The whole economic- They're the, the head of the, the, the exchequer, um, who's their equivalent of, I would say, the Treasury Secretary, um, got fired by the prime minister this week. You're absolutely right. And they really did a 180 after some really bad uh, press and impact from their policy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then those are the kind of things that, um, you know, and I do believe the Fed will go too far. Um, I almost feel like they've come out and said, we don't really have a choice, right? (laughs) We have to go too far um, to kind of nosedive the economy, hopefully into a mild recession, but you never know. Um, You know, Jamie Dimond, um, the chairman, CEO of um, J.P. Morgan Chase, he's had he had some some stern warnings about uh, what's going on and uh, you know where stocks could potentially fall further and um, you know unemployment could could rapidly rise and you know there's there are some situa- there are some I guess scenarios that are out there um, that are not exactly rosy and I think it's um, it's it's kind of dangerous to play with with fire when you don't have a way to extinguish it, right? And um, so I know with, hey, midterm elections coming up, um, you know, that that may create a stalemate depending on the outcome of what happens in, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate and so on and so forth. But um, maybe we're better off with a stalemate at this point uh, because uh, more spending at a time where, um, you know, the supply chain is not functioning properly is probably not the best uh, the best strategy. I agree, and I think there's two time periods for our listeners who are interested in looking into it. Uh, number one, the late 70s and early 80s, when you saw Paul Volcker, who was the chairman of the Federal Reserve, appointed by Carter, and then when Reagan was implementing a series of regulatory changes and tax cuts, the two were at odds for the first couple of years in the early 80s. Um, and we're seeing a little bit of that in a different way. And then, of course, looking at Japan. Um, and how they created a bit of, after the inflation, a deflationary cycle in Japan and the impact on growth. So not saying that that's what's going to happen, but those are some relatively recent historical events that our government should be mindful of. And look, I personally think there's a lot of room to decrease spending. I mean, one, we spent trillions more a year because of COVID, and I understand you had an emergency, but now when the emergency is over, 
you tamper that back. And I look at our, our state and local spending in New York. You know, Tom, New York City, the budget's around $100 billion right now. When Bloomberg was mayor, it was around $60 billion. So between de Blasio now and to the Adams administration, it went up from $60 billion by about $40 billion to $100 billion. New York State is spending about $220 billion a year. And we have a population, cities about 8.5 million, states around 19.5 million. You compare that to, let's say, Florida, who has a population about 20 million, their budget is about $112 billion a year. So we have New York State basically for, you know, similar population, a little bit smaller, basically paying double than what the entire state of Florida is in their budget. And again, New York City has a budget that's almost as much as the entire state of Florida. So I think also we need to ask, you know, you know, our, our political class some tough questions to say, look, what are we doing here to make things more affordable and to maybe ease off some of the inflationary pressures from a fiscal policy, not just a monetary policy with interest rates by the Federal Reserve? Yeah, it's a great point. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show that uh, without question every year, what what does go up, right? Your taxes, everything you pay in New York goes up, right? And uh, it's not because anyone's trying to control the spending. I think it's, uh, you know, leaving in the hands of politicians, they're always going to look to to increase spending, right? Spend every dollar they have and then some. So um, that those things are at, at odds with what's happening now with inflation, right? You know, uh, increased spending or spending more or and not trying to find a way to do more with less. Um, it's just, it's all putting tremendous upward pressure on, on prices. And at the end of the day, you know, who pays for it? It's, it's all the listeners, right? It's all our listeners. It's the consumers. Uh, it's the people that are trying to make it just from one day to the next. And, and it hurts. It really does. Absolutely. Now some, some mixed news, some positive and also some negative on when it comes to costs. One, we're starting to see certain material costs actually go down. So, for example, uh, the cost of lumber. For anyone thinking of building a new home or doing a major renovation, lumber has dropped dramatically. It really soared up because there were some supply chain issues from Canada and transportation, so the cost of lumber went up dramatically, and that's starting to come back down. And the same thing with the cost of certain metals like copper. So that is some positive news. If the cost of raw materials can go down, that, of course, that input would lower the cost of production. So that's very positive news. The other thing, though, to really keep in mind, and for those of you who own a property, really have some detailed conversations with your insurance agent. We've really seen the cost of insurance go up these last couple of years. We've unfortunately seen a number of disasters that happen, hurricanes um, that have caused damage. The folks, the folks on the west coast of Florida are still recovering, and there's a lot of cleanup to do from that hurricane. Um, for those of you who are listening down there, um, we hope that rebuild go, moves along. And also to keep in mind to see what's covered by your insurance. There's concept of damage, but a lot of time policies have limits for certain categories and i've seen it where people may be covered for wind but not for flood so keep that in mind 
it's worth having a checkup with your insurance agent to see what's covered in your policy and what's not. And, you know, and Tom mentioned earlier in the program, sometimes people refinance to do renovations. What I find is many times people don't check in with their insurance agent and say, by the way, I expanded my house. I put in some skylights. I added a deck. Did you update your insurance policy to cover those new improvements that you've made on the property? Very important point. And on the insurance topic, of course, we also know about the Surfside condominium, um, again, disaster that happened um, over a year ago. A lot of the lenders have changed. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have changed their guidance and their requirements and are still looking into changing further um, their requirements. For us. So for those of you who are in co-ops and condos, very important that your board really talks to your property management company and your insurance uh, company as well, and look at your capital plans because this will be an issue going into the future, right? You could have a borrower that's perfectly qualified for a property. The apartment is great, no issues. But remember, when you're trying to get financing on a co-op or condo property, what we call the project, the building, needs to pass muster with the lenders. So it is very, very important that the building is maintained well, has the right level of insurance coverage, and those are a lot of moving parts that are going on right now. I don't know if, Tom, if you've had any trouble recently or concerns with people getting financing in a building without proper maintenance or insurance coverage. Well, uh, we, we've seen that. Uh, deferred maintenance is definitely a concern for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, and they have uh, updated their questionnaires that get sent out to the management companies to, to ask very specific questions about maintenance. And what we're seeing is um, they're now maintaining a, a very large list of uh, ineligible uh, projects, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So we we get those lists updated uh, weekly, so we kind of share that with everyone and anyone. So if a customer is saying, hey, I'm considering buying in, you know, 123 Main Street condo in whatever in the city or even to stay down in Florida, right, because that's where it started – um, you know, we can we can take a look at Fannie Mae's and Freddie Mac's list and be like, hey, uh, no, this one is actually ineligible and because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. So, you know, as a consumer, um, you don't want to put yourself in a position where, um, you know, you're buying something that potentially has issues that haven't been addressed. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't get financing at all, but you may have to pay very expensive uh, financing to, to purchase that, right? you need to consider well, Tom, as well. Thank uh, you for sharing that. It looks like we're running out of time for the first hour. After the break, we're going to have Joe Wagner from Douglas Element and also one of the leading reporters from Crane's uh, business. So don't miss us. And thank you again, Tom, um, for being here on Ion Real Estate. We'll be back after the break. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.